you are listening to Destination Church Belfast weekly podcast. You can find us at www.destinationchurchbelfast.co.uk. You can also find us on Instagram and Facebook. Happy listening. Okay, so uh, this morning we are continuing on with our message series on Taking Ground. If you weren't here last week, I'm really very sorry, but uh, Claire wangled it so that she didn't even have to go online onto the website, um, and I can't force her to redo the message. So you can ask her if she'll give you her notes, um, or you can ask her the heart of what she shared, or else you can just move on and get on with your lives, whatever you choose to do. I've said every time that we've uh, I've introduced those who are speaking that it's a real joy that we have seven different speakers doing this. It's really, really good. And we'll have Ashley Martin's going to be speaking next week. All set, Ashley? She's, she's nodding away in the back there. So she's our final speaker. She'll be speaking next week, and then I'll give a final message to tie that off, and then we'll move in, in again. So Ashley's our seventh speaker, as I said, which uh, it'll all conclude on the 20th of August. So taking ground is the diamond that we're describing. So if you imagine, um, Dennis, when there were summits in Phoenix, when he asked those who were speaking, he would give a topic, and he would really he would ask to uh, to look through what each person the plan that they had put together. But really, he didn't come to like twist that or change that or to find his own agenda. It was like he was setting a diamond in the middle of the room. And he was asking each of those speakers to look at that diamond, to describe their experience and what they're seeing. So this message series gives you a flavor of what it's like to have one diamond in the middle of the room and lots of people sharing. Are you finding benefit from hearing seven different speakers? Yes, it's enjoyable, isn't it? I mean, I know I'm the kind of staple diet. I'm the Weedabix. I get that. It's okay. I mean, it's all right, but it's good to just have some, some variety as well. The painter Claude Monet, anybody know any of Claude Monet's paintings? Anybody want to throw it? Got to get back into the crowd participation. Come on. Paintings by Claude Monet. A, a park one? There's a... Uh, uh, his, the water lilies? Do you mean the water lilies with the bridge in it? Let's go with that. Uh, any others? Nobody said the sunflowers. Although part, I think he did do sunflowers. There were boats in one. I think that was maybe Manet. I think Manet did one of those as well. Manet, Manet, he's the he's the Belfast version, like a water lilies. Um, any others? Well, yeah, well, yes, there's several, but okay. Right? No, you're not going to work with me. No. Arties out there? No. Isaac? No, that was Vincent van Gogh, but I'm confident that he did paint other flowers as well. You were going to say, Hillary? No, that was Degas, but that's okay. You know, we obviously need to swat out on our Impressionism, so our next series is going to be about the Impressionists. <laughs> so uh, what Monet did, and apparently the, those in the local area, he bought, he, most of his life he was in poverty. A very difficult life, lots of trouble, and then towards the end he was recognized as an artist and his work sold for crazy amounts of money and today still does. Um, but anyway, he, in the area where he'd bought the house where he painted the water lilies and the garden that he had structured to so that he had something to paint, there were fields that had the haystacks. Anybody know of his haystacks? 
So what he did with the haystacks was he went out early in the morning and he set up several different canvases all the way around the haystacks so that he could paint them from lots of different angles. And at any given time, he would have 10 to 12 different canvases really, really irritated uh, the workers in the field. I don't know why. Probably because art was meant to be high art, so it was things like coronations and those who were famous. And he was really painting the very simple things. But they are profound paintings, and the Impressionists always studied light. They were, he was about capturing light from those angles. So this message series is about light being captured from the angles of those who are given it. So I want to ask you, what light have you captured? Because if this just becomes, oh, wasn't that really nice we had seven different speakers? We're not really interested in that. What we're interested in is what is God giving you through the vehicle of the speaker that is speaking to you in the morning? So we've had six paintings so far by six artists, and you want to notice the light that has fallen on those haystacks and capture it for yourselves and take that into your own lives. So what I want to do, first of all, is to uh, give us some questions. So you can write these down and, and reflect on them during the week if you want to do that. So this is so that you're going to be able to take away from the message series, hopefully what God has for you. Most of the messages, apart from Claire's, is on the website. And uh, we also have a new microphone, thanks to Claire. So Claire did a bit of damage last week. Um, Tremendous damage in all the very best ways, of course, or she's going to kill me. And the next time she speaks, she'll say mean things about me. So this is one of the most powerful things that we can do in our lives. What is God showing us right now through the circumstances of our lives? So in worship, particularly when the prophetic song came, there was a, a, like a gentleness and a tenderness uh, became evident in the room. Anybody else experience that? Maybe some? Okay. So we want to notice what is going on right here and now. We come to every circumstance with our assumptions um, and expectations as to what actually is going to happen. And that can rob us of what is actually present. So what stood out to you in what was communicated and what they said? This is a call to notice what is God giving you to eat today? Give us this day our daily bread, and if he is your shepherd, then you will not want, but you will want if you're not receiving what he's giving to you in the moment. Remember when Elijah uh, was exhausted, I think he just had that battle with the prophets of Baal, and the Spirit led him out into the, I think it was like a desert, or he was by a brick, and the ravens fed him. I mean, I don't really fancy eating what the ravens are going to drop in front of me. How about you? But yet, if God has ordained that the ravens are going to feed you, then the very best thing for you to eat is what is being given by them in that moment. So this is a call to notice. The enemy now, he wants to show you something, and to avoid the subtlety of what he wants to show you, the steal, kill, and destroy, you need to apply your mind matters, which again is available online. Does anybody remember your homework verses from mind matters? Let's see how many went in. Oh. Katie, you were a legend throughout these, if any come to mind. Whatever is noble, whatever is honorable, whatever is beautiful and praiseworthy, think about such things. I think that's not, that's the heart of it. That's Philippians 4 verse 8. Any others? Any others? 
So, I mean, we don't do condemnation. We're not a people of condemnation. We are a people of conviction. So if we're going to live this stuff out, then we have to bring to our minds the things that we have already learned. Second Corinthians 10.5, anybody know what it says there? Demolish arguments and pretensions and imaginations that raise themselves up against the knowledge of God and hold every thought captive and lead it away in obedience to Jesus Christ. Romans 12.2, be transformed by the renewing of your mind. Philippians 4, verse 8, the whatever is good, whatever is noble. Isaiah 26, 3 wasn't one of your verses, but he will keep in perfect peace the one whose mind is steadfast because he stays on him. So we've got to have our wits about us because in this moment, you have got God wanting to communicate something to you and you've got the enemy wanting to frame everything in a way that ultimately will steal from you, kill and destroy you. Both of those things are happening in every single moment of our lives, and we have the opportunity to choose one or the other. I uh, was listening to uh, one of the Christian radio stations this morning, and um, she prayed, they pray on the hour, and she prayed God, uh, something like God hold our thoughts captive, and I thought, well, he's never going to answer that, because he has told us that we have to hold our thoughts captive. So if we want to live in the reality and the fullness of what God has for us, then we have got to bring those things to mind. So what is God giving you today? Second question, how might you apply the principles that they applied in your life? And I want to just mention a little bit about what Claire said, because she was obviously the most recent. So we want to get practical. Notice what they did. So Claire last week, one of the things that really hit me is what she said was she was transparent about and um, transparent and vulnerable about where she was struggling. She communicated that she met with Andrew. She's in good relationship with him and she unveiled herself, and she has continued to meet with him and stay accountable to him even when she doesn't want to. That is a principled application. Andrew's laughing even when she doesn't want to. It's like when I, uh, I'm sitting down there and somebody's speaking and says, Colin said this thing, and it really hurt, and I cried, but then I realized that I needed to do something about it, and I'm thinking, what a terrible advert. <laughs> hey. So what... What principles did they apply in their life? And therefore, how can that translate into yours? So are there things that you need to be honest about? doesn't mean that you find the first person. I know I'm insulting your intelligence. But doesn't mean you find the first person and just, just unveil everything. But find your people. Find those who are further on than you are and more mature. And unveil yourself and say, I'm really struggling here. And what you'll find is, no problem. How can I help you? Or here's where I'm struggling. One of the things I do all the time when I meet pastorally is, here's where I'm struggling. And then everybody thinks, well, all right, well, you've just, whoa, you've just uncovered yourself. You're obviously working through things as well. Maybe we're in this together. How might it translate for you? And what do you need to do? The author, Neil Anderson, he wrote uh, the Freedom in Christ series. And the books are fantastic. I've used this quote many times. He said, freedom is not the choices that we make, but the consequences of those choices. So you think about exercise or you think about dieting. Nobody really ever wants to do either of those things, but the benefits are profound because you're denying your self-interest. You're stepping into true humility, communicating where you are, and God resists, resists the pride 
but it sounds like an airplane's about to take off. And now they're in there. God resists the proud, but what does He do to the humble? He gives grace. So anywhere where we step into humility, and humility is not self-deprecation. Humility is being truthful about where you are, and that could also be, I'm doing really well. So we want to step into humility and accept His grace, um, accesses His grace. Third question, what is stopping you? And let's unpack that a little bit. I guarantee you that it's your thoughts. It's your thoughts that are stopping you. Some examples, I could never do that because that, ne- that worked for them, but it won't work for me. That's too hard. I tried. They're special. I'm not special. And yet Romans 12, 2 says that we are transformed by the renewing of our mind. So as I said, the Mind Matters series is still available online. You can access that. The enemy's MO is to steal, kill, and destroy. That's John 10.10. By framing your life in a way that suits his purposes. The only power that he has in your life is the faith that you invest in how he's translating your life. Bill Johnson said that fear is faith in the devil. And I remember the first time hearing that going, oh, that's a wee bit uncomfortable. But it is actually putting belief into the lies that you're being told. Now, if you listen to Proverbs 15.4, and you know your homework, it says that a deceptive tongue crushes the spirit. So anywhere where you're feeling, you know that kind of sliming, yuck feeling that you get? And we tend to, in our souls, believe, in our mind, well, and emotions believe that that sliming feeling is somehow telling us that that's the truth. The Word of God reveals that that crushing is evidence of deception. So anywhere where there is a framing from the enemy, there will always be a crushing. Now, it takes a bit of time to get some discernment as to where that is in your life, but it's there. So I want to tell you a story. So I don't like the dentist. Do we have anybody else here who doesn't like the dentist? Raise your hand. Am I on my own? Do a few nods. Anybody here who actually likes the dentist? Do you actually like Like, a, well, then that's, that's scuppered. You actually like it. Do you remember the time you bit the dentist? And you said, I'm sure that happens all the time. And he said, no. (laughs) So uh, Claire, Claire, I mean, like, it just doesn't seem to bother her. She'll go in this like root canal. She's, and I'm, I I just, I just, I just don't, it's just not good. My, I think it's more alarming that you made the suggestion of his leg that that's actually, anyway, let's just leave that alone. Let's park that and move along. So my history is that I experience uh, or have opportunity to experience anxiety and fear when the dentist comes around. I am confident that I am not alone in the room. But recently, what I've realized and what, what was, re- I was standing in work and there was a difficult situation and hopefully some of you will go, yeah, I do that too. And I was having a conversation with the imagined argument that we were going to have. Anybody else? Okay. Well, in 2 Corinthians 10.5, it talks about the imaginations. So I am standing in work, really getting wound up, feeling lots of stress and anxiety, and I hear myself, it's quite profound when those moments happen, I hear myself vocalize a defending argument to someone who is not there at a situation that has not happened. Now, that's not real. It was very real to me, but something happened in that moment, and I looked around my life and went, 
where else am I doing this? So I hadn't been to the dentist, back to the dentist, I hadn't been to the dentist for four years because of COVID and all that stuff, and I hate the dentist anyway, so I was just quite happy to not do anything and let it coast along. So I went to the dentist, and he said, you need three rather large fillings. I'm going, <laughs> just, just don't, it's, it's just not a pleasant experience. But it, had, it all happened on Tuesday, and I was determined any time that the imagined circumstances to what it would feel like in the dentist chair came up, that I was just going to not go there. Anybody with me on this? I can't tell you how much more peaceful and beneficial the whole thing was. Now, the first time I met the dentist, I sat down in the chair and he went, oh, we've got a jumpy one here. And I said, um, I don't like the dentist. He says, mate, neither do I. And I went, you are a dentist? He went, no. And uh, this time I walked in and he said, how are you? And I said, well, I'm not, I'm, I don't like this. And he said, I know you don't like it. I said, okay. It's like the time I went to the doctor and I had to get a wee mole removed. And the doctor said, I said, well, it'll feel like. He said, we cigarette burn. I said, you ever been burned by a cigarette? And he went, no. And I said, neither have I. And I said, what's it going to feel like? He said, I don't know. <laughs> so I went to the dentist. It wasn't a great experience. Uh, he numbed me up so much that I could barely feel my face. Uh, but I really appreciate that because he was like, is that sore? And I'm like, I don't know. I don't know. Although afterwards, it was Anna laughed at me. As I was like, we stop doing that on back late. And she's like, ah, look at you. You're slobbering everywhere. Maybe I should have approached you during communion, young lady. So I am holding away the imagined to be able to deal better with the reality. And because I'm not expending so much energy dealing with the imagined, I'm actually far more equipped to deal with the reality. And I remember Andrew described, I said something about, like, what do you think about it? And he said, often it's quite quiet inside. And I'm thinking, tumbleweed. I have to say, the more that I am not going into the imagined, I am far more at peace. So you've got an enemy who hates you, right? And not in some red ears, little tail. I mean, this is dark as hell. He wants to kill you. And before that, he wants to do things to you that will make your existence horrific. The only power that he has over you is what you believe that he speaks to you. So therefore, if we start to play by God's rules and we begin to notice what's going on in our lives, then we start to just experience the fruit of what he promises. I got a bit lost there in my dentist story. I'm going to have to go up and down the scroll where I find where I am. Okay. The truth is that the Lord is my shepherd and I will always have everything that I need. 2 Corinthians 10, 5 says we demolish arguments and every pretension that sets itself up against the knowledge of God and we take captive every thought to make it obedient, obedient to Christ. So if we're promised by the Spirit that we're going to have the words that we need at the time that we need them, are we going to have them before we need them? Yes. Are we going to have the solutions to the problems before they come up? Are we going to have the grace to deal with imagined scenarios before the reality of those scenarios happen? So we want to hold every thought captive and lead it away in obedience to Jesus Christ. This is about taking ground. Now, it's just a trip to the dentist, 
but it's a heck of a lot more than a trip to a dentist. Because if I can nail getting three fillings done and holding those imagined scenarios, then what about the bigger stuff? I can, if I can do it there, I can do it then. Knowing the karate kid, I've used that before, the wax on, wax off, and the paint in the fence. If we can get it in the simple wax on and wax off of life, when it comes to the bigger stuff, we're already, we've already been trained and we know what to do. So in the circumstances of your life right now, God taught David how to be king in the duties of the shepherd boy. So if there are just simple shepherd boy tasks in front of you right now, if you can learn them now, then when you step into your royalty, you're royal now. But if you step into the role as kings and queens in his court, you're already going to know what to do. It's about the principled application. Okay, so that's what's stopping you. Ponder that one this week. And then the final question is, where have you and are you taking ground? Now, this one is mega important. God has designed us to run on encouragement. You and I need encouragement, don't we? We need somebody to come up. And a, a terrible bosses in work are ones that just give you tasks and they get them done and they don't really say anything about it. A great boss and a great leader will thank you for the task that they have asked you to do. They will make comments to you about how the bits that you did really well. And in the middle of that, they'll say, now we can work on that bit, but you're going to get there. Uh, thank you for what you did. Isn't that a good boss? Those poor reflections are reflections of God. He wants to encourage you. He wants to give you strength. He wants to bring you comfort. We are designed by Him to run on encouragement. So why don't you ask Him? Ask Him where you've taken ground. And we never want to compare ourselves to other people. I am married to someone who likes the dentist. If I was to compare myself to Claire, then I'm really screwed up. I mean, you might say you are. Well, I don't really care that much about what you think. My comparison should be, who was I five years ago, or six months ago, or two months ago? How am I growing in comparison to where I was? Don't compare yourself to others. Compare yourself to who you were and where you're going right now. Where have you and are you taking ground? And where you find where it is, whether it's big or small, that whole dentist thing was a real victory for me. It was really, really good. I took myself upstairs to paint so it wouldn't hurt anybody at home because my whole face was frozen and I hit the dentist and I was in pain. Best thing I could have done, I got the paint, they got to stay happy. That's, that is actually a victory, isn't it? Or does it need to be massive? Does it need to be something huge for us to celebrate it? Or maybe if we begin to smell it, celebrate the small stuff, well, it'll just be natural to absolutely rejoice and throw a party when it comes to the larger stuff. Okay, so today we're looking at taking ground, breaking ground, and building on it. Taking ground, breaking ground, and building on it. We're not going to spend a huge amount of time on this this morning, but I want to envision you with uh, what's coming out of this, that God is up to much more than just simply taking ground. He has got much, much more than that. We'll hold off on that one. 
This is Isaiah 55, 8 to 11. For my thoughts are not your thoughts, neither are your ways my ways, declares the Lord. As the heavens are higher than the earth, so are my ways higher than your ways and my thoughts than your thoughts. As the rain and the snow come down from heaven and do not return to it without watering the earth and making it bud and flourish, so that it yields seed for the sower and bread for the eater, so is my word that goes out from my mouth. It will not return to me empty, but will accomplish what I desire and achieve the purpose for which I sent it. So God is sending something among us in this message series, and it will not return to him void. It'll accomplish everything that he desires for it to accomplish, and we want it to happen. Why do we give our children chores? Think about it. Why, why do we do that? Because most of the time, I mean, Isaac, you are great. You actually are great at lighting the fire. And Anna, I mean, you do a stellar job at doing the dishwasher. I have to say those things. But actually, you could probably do it faster and quicker yourself, couldn't you? <laughs> Pete, you and I both know that we could do it much faster and much quicker. I asked Brooke one time, Brooke, can I just ask you, uh, what do you do with your dishes? Because I was getting so exasperated by Anna. Just we'd walk downstairs and see the special cable sitting there. And I'm thinking, this is the 6,000th time of asking. So I thought, well, let's do some research. Hey, Brooke, just wanted to ask you a question. What do you do with your bowl? She said, I just leave it for the dish fairy to come and get it. And I thought, I'm not on my own. Pete, you, you and I are such fairies, aren't we? That is true. But the chores are not necessarily really about just getting the job done. It's about giving a task. It's about putting in the principle so that it's going to be accomplished later on in life. We give children chores to impart something to them through the vehicle of the task, but the completion of the task isn't the totality of what we want them to receive. God gives us vehicles so that we might learn something. And it's not about the dentist. This is not about the dentist. This is actually about, I am learning to apply the Word of God and not play with the imagined. Those imaginations are being destroyed by the higher power of the Word of God and the truth that is within it. And therefore, I'm testifying to the presence of Jesus in my life because I'm applying, having a principal application of the Word of God. So look at your own life. And don't just dismiss it because it might be something simple. Often it's in simplicity that the most profound things reside. So taking ground is about a victory to be celebrated, taking ownership of what is rightfully yours and ours. But unless we break ground and build on it, our inactivity, once we've taken ground, will surrender it back to the squatters that had it before. So we can celebrate taking ground. I took ground, yeah. But if I don't actually continue to apply that, we won't break ground and then build on it. Breaking ground means to do preparatory digging or other work prior to building or planting something. So once we've taken ground, we've got to break ground and go through the process of doing the preparatory work necessary, which will likely involve some demolition and excavation of the previous structures. So this is onto something. We are in this great, I'm loving it, message series, Taking Ground. But this is onto something. So this message is to go, let's drink in what we've got in this, and also we're going somewhere with it. So God doesn't get us all dressed up for nothing. And you may think there are several places in your life where you're like, I have overcome something and nothing's happening. Something is happening. 
you're in a process, taking ground, breaking ground, and then building on it. If we don't know that this is happening, the excavation, because we often are, how many times have you found that you have some victory in your life, and then it seems like you go back to further back where you were before? But I overcame that. How many pastoral conversations have I had? I overcame that. And look at the state of me. No, it's just we're going deeper. Because what, you think if I went to the dentist, well, we're on the dentist thing today. The fillings had to be drilled out because there was some decay underneath. I know it's gross. You didn't need to know that. But they had to drill out what was to be able to put in something new so that it would bring healing. So God will have you take ground. Then he wants to break ground. Then after that, building on it. Everything that God does is always onto something. He leads us to take ground that is ours. Then He breaks ground to clear it and repurpose it so that He might build His kingdom in our lives. And this happens as we delight ourselves in Him, Psalm 37, 4, and He gives us the desires of our heart. And you will want what He is building in your life. Are you enjoying what He's doing in your life? most of the time. That's a very honest answer. You know, at times I would go, I'm not enjoying what he's working at. I'm enjoying the fruit, but I'm not necessarily enjoying what he's working, working at. So we want to get some vision. Could I get the worship collective up, please? Here's a pertinent verse. Haggai 2.9, the glory of this present house will be greater than the glory of the former house, says the Lord Almighty. And in this place, I will grant peace, declares the Lord. And then another verse, Matthew 9, 17. Neither do people pour new wine into old wineskins. If they do, the skins will burst, the wine will run out, and the wineskins will be ruined. No, they pour new wine into new wineskins, and both are preserved. So we're not restoring the old picture. We are restoring to God's original design. And He is up to something much more than we can understand. So this whole series of Taking Ground is only the beginning of an exciting new season in our lives as individuals and as a church. It's an expansion. Expand your horizons. It is thrilling and it is stretching. And we've got to remember that nothing is impossible with God. Remember, everything starts in a seed form. And Jesus said that the mustard seed was the smallest of all seeds, but look what it produces. So we need to get a vision for what's to come. How's that sound? Whether it sounds good to you or not, this is where we're going. Would you like to stand? And we're going to make a response. So as always, got some questions to help you to respond. And then I'm going to call you to, to come forwards. Why do we do that? We do that because we have a physical body and our physical body is how we manifest our choices and step forward and make response. Okay, so we want to respond. First question, do you need to recognize and celebrate ground that you've already taken in your life? Maybe you're not very good at that. Do you need to celebrate? Secondly, are there any thoughts that are stopping you from practically taking ground in your life? And then finally, do you want to get vision for this season that will expand both your capacity and the horizon before you. So if you can answer yes to any of those questions, come and join me now at the front. We're going to worship for a time, and then we're going to minister to you. So please come and join me now.
You have been listening to Destination Church Belfast weekly podcast. Remember to check us out at www.destinationchurchbelfast.co.uk and have a great week.